Believe in yourself. Whatever the mind of man can conceive and believe, it can achieve. If you can dream it, you can do it. Your attitude will determine your altitude. In order to succeed, you must first believe you can. If it is to be, it's up to me. Make it happen. Just do it. This, for me, was some of the quotes I used to cling on to many, many years ago in my early time in work, I wanted to be, I was involved in sales, I wanted to be a super salesman and so I used to read a lot of these motivational books and listen to motivational tapes and attend seminars. This is back in the 80s uh, when, you know, that was all very popular. I suppose it still is today. These were some of the quotes that I used to hang on to, you know, uh, about believing in myself, just setting a goal and doing it and this is what, how we get through life and I want to be successful and I just need to picture it in my mind write little notes, put them on my dashboard and car around, imagine the goals that I wanted to achieve and just go for it. That was my thinking on that. And then I became a Christian. Suddenly I realised, hang on a minute, this is all very self-focused here. This really doesn't have anything much to do with God and what he wants for my life. And so I thought, well, okay, that's it. Put all those books aside, particularly a passage like this in James chapter 4 reminded me of this. And so I was kind of awakened to that in, in the fact of becoming a Christian and what it means to follow Christ. Well, then along the way in my Christian life, um, I became involved with what you would probably call the word faith movement. I had people around me with that. And that then basically uh, took God's word and said things like, you know, all things are possible to him that believes. You just need to believe. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Uh, they're taking scripture quotes and, and uh, things like that. And, you know, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say this mountain, just be moved and it'll be moved. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And these are all actually Bible verses. The word faith movement that I was around for, for a few years um, has this idea of I just need to name it and claim it. That's it. That's what they said. I just need to name what I want in life and, you know, by God, faith in God, I can have it. Well, I came back to the word of God again. And then I realised, uh, no, that's not right. They may, be, may have the word of God, they may be using the word of God, but they're using it in the wrong way. They're twisting it and turning it and using it to their own advantage. And then I came to the point and I said, well, that's it. I'm just not going to set any goals. It's just fraught with danger, isn't it? I mean, you've got this, you've got these other things, and just, hey, I'm just, hey, God, whatever you want to do, just do it in my life, and I'll just go to day to day and take it one step at a time. And that sounds good, but then I read in the Bible, and I come back to to passages like this and others where we read about a man called Nehemiah in the Old Testament that God used to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem in, in, in 52 days. The people did that and there was a plan for that. Uh, God gave a, a plan for that. I read about the Apostle Paul when he is travelling around and he's saying, I'm going to go here and here and here and he has plans and he had some goals as well. And I even read about Jesus Christ when he was on the earth that he had plans as well. And so I realise, okay, well that's not right either. What am I getting at? Well, I need to keep coming back to this, to be honest, because as we sing in one of our hymns, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. And if I follow my own wisdom, if I follow my own heart, if I think go with what other people around me are saying and what I'm listening to, I am so prone to go off in one tangent and then another tangent as far as understanding God's will for my life, what I should be doing, how I should be thinking. And I need course correction often 
and that comes through the Word of God. For a believer, as we read the Word of God, we have the Spirit of God in us that helps us to understand us, and Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. Now, very often we forget and we just don't listen to him and we, we look at, and I don't know, it, it takes time for us to study the Word of God. It's not just, doesn't just always just come out of midair to you. The important thing that, that I find is that we need to keep coming back to the truth that is in this Word, because, not because this is man's truth, but because it's God's truth. And we have found that as we've been going through the book of James. James is often referred to as the New Testament Proverbs or Book of Wisdom. You, you know in the Old Testament there's this whole book that is called Proverbs and it's a list of sayings of observations in life and these are, of course God's insights about life, about wisdom, about how we should live our lives. And as we read through the Old Testament uh, book of Proverbs, it's very helpful to us in our daily life and how we live. Well, James is somewhat the same. We've found that as we've been going through the book of James, there are many topics that have come up. Even in the recent chapters of the book of James, we've heard about the W's, the, the works, that faith is uh, and how that involves our works. We've heard about our words, how it reflects out in our, in our speech. We've heard about wisdom, you know, not having earthly wisdom but heavenly wisdom. And then we looked at the wars that go on. With between us and between us and God and, and now we come to this passage that we're reading and it really has to do with the will of God and our will and God's will. Time and time we come back to the, the, the issue we know we believe in Jesus Christ we know that we have faith in him but how is that affecting our thinking and more importantly how is that bearing out in our heart? So many of these issues are heart issues. We see the manifestation of them in the way we speak, the way we act, the things we do, but it, ultimately it comes back to where is our heart. And it is reminding us that faith is continually dependent upon God. That's what we see here in this passage. And he's talked to about people that say, we're going to go there tomorrow and we're going to buy and sell and get going. That actually is very much, doesn't seem unusual. That's how everybody talks. Uh, you know, hey, I'm going to go do this tomorrow and then we're going up the street, we're going to do this and hopefully I'm, I'm planning to have a job next year, I'll do my uni course or I'm going to uh, one day do these things. Again, very normal in the society and the world around us. And it, in, in one sense, I suppose it's, it's normal in our lives too, the way we talk. The issue here is not don't plan. I want to make that quite clear. God wants us to have plans. If you're planning a job or a career, if you're planning to buy a house, if you're planning a holiday... There's nothing wrong with planning. In fact, we should plan out and think some things. In, in Proverbs, it says that the prudent, the wise man, foreseeth evil. He plans ahead, but the, the fool just continues to go and ends up in, in punishment. We need to make some plans. We need to think ahead about things. The issue that we have here is to do that with no regard for God. In Psalm 10, verse 4, it talks about those that have no regard for God. I guess we'd say the ungodly. It says in verse 4, The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God. God is not in all his thoughts. The idea is that God's not in any of his thoughts. And so he goes through life not thinking about God, not thinking about his will. And really this applies to most people in the world. Don't give a lot of thought to God. 
don't give a lot of thought to what God's plan and purpose is for their life. I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. And we have to admit that even for us as believers, we can easily fall into that trap. Do you think much about God? Is he often in your thoughts? As we go about the course of our day, do we actually stop and think about what God's doing in our lives, what he wants from our lives, or we just go, I don't think much about it. Maybe at the end of the day you just go, well, I'll think about God then when I say a few prayers before I go to bed or give thanks for the food I'm going to eat. The Bible makes it clear that the will of God is important and it's going to be important for those that know God and desire to know God in a greater way. The psalmist in Psalm 40 says, I delight to do thy will, O God. Thy law is within my heart. Jesus said, whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. So important there. Paul, when he became a Christian, when he was confronted with Jesus Christ, see, he thought he was doing God's will in actually persecuting and killing Christians. He was a religious zealot and he thought that he was doing God's will. He was confronted by Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. And he said, who said, Saul, Saul, because that was his name before he became the Apostle Paul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you? He says, I'm Jesus that you persecute us. And his first words were, well, what wilt thou have me to do? Not only the transformation of Paul, but the complete change in his life. He went from being Saul, the religious person, very much focused on what he thought God's will was, to God said, I'm going to take you. And he did allow him to suffer. And he was in jail and beaten and all these things, but also to be a testimony to kings, to the Gentiles, to children of Israel and also as the Lord would have it to pen probably about two-thirds of the New Testament. God certainly turned his life around. Peter reminds us that as Christians that we should no longer live the rest of our time here in to the lusts of the flesh just to do what we want but to the will of God. So the will of God isn't just something we talk about, it isn't something we just we think about. It comes from our heart, our desire to know the will of God and to live the will of God. In this passage today, we find that what many people consider normal, just going about their life, doing uh, whatever they want to do, choosing how they live their life, God actually calls evil. But it's evil because it's pride. And we know that pride is really at the centre of, of all sin. There's no desire to know God, to seek his will, to please him in any of this. If we rejoice in those boastings, those boastings are evil. And for us as believers who know this, we're told in verse 17 to know to do good and to do it not, that's sin. Three things we're called to do. Firstly, James calls us to consider, to think about some things, what we're doing and saying. He's done this many times in the book. He then wants us to correct that. He shows us an outward correction as to the way we should change our behaviour. But ultimately, the third part is that what we should change in our attitude. So let's just look at those this morning. The first is... Uh, He wants us to consider something. Let's look at verse 13. Go to now, or or come now, you that say, today or tomorrow we're going to go to such a city, continue there, buy and sell and get gain. James is doing what he's done several times and said essentially pull up a chair, let's talk. I want to talk about some of the ways that, that you're behaving, your attitudes, the things, and we said that wisdom is not about what we know, but our behavior. He wants us to reflect on our thinking, and and when we do that, it helps us to realize that we can often fall into what we don't think are sins, but are sins just because we presume things. 
In Psalm 19, uh, the psalmist said about the word of God, he says, Through it, my servant, thy servant is warned, and in keeping of them is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me thou from secret faults. Often we don't realise when we're, we're sort of going off the rails a bit. I mentioned those different stages of my Christian walk, and each time I, I didn't realise that I was following sort of wrong ideas. Keep back thy servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Just left to ourselves without this, without the mirror of the word of God, how many of us could really actually see our sin? You know, one of the things about being deceived is we don't realize when we're deceived. It's the word of God that speaks to us, challenges us about things like this. Now, what exactly is he challenging about? What is he asking there? You that say, so he's talking to uh, these, some of these believers. They've been scattered out because of persecution to different surrounding areas around Jerusalem. Some of them, no doubt, were merchants and traders and people that had had some means before. And now that they've been moved out of Jerusalem and their surrounding areas, they're probably thinking to themselves, well, hey, I'm out here. Might as well make the best of it. Hey, let's, I could start some, do some trading here and some, with my merchant work whether you're a craftsman or whatever. And then, hey, I could go to this town and I could do this, and then I could go to this town and do this, and hey, this, I could make the best of a bad situation. This could actually be really good. You know, I can take, as, as the, I used to hear it say, when, you know, when life hands you lemons, make lemonade, you know, that sort of stuff, you know. And that might have been the way they're thinking. And so he's pointing out to them a few things that they're presuming upon, choices. He says today or tomorrow, they're thinking about time, this is the time I'm going to act. The location, well, I'm going to go to this city. The duration, well, I'm going to stay there for a whole year. Could be good, you know, stay there a year, take me a while to build up my business. What sort of activity? I'm going to buy and sell. And the purpose, hey, I'm going to make some money. This will be good. Now, if these choices or plans were made in the right context, there would be nothing wrong with them. Those activities to go to a place, to spend some time, carry on some business, to actually make some profit out of that. Nothing is wrong with any of that. The problem is, who's missing in all of this? These plans have no acknowledgement of God being in them or any dependence upon him. That is often how, how I live as well. You know, we say that we want to know God, we want to know his will, but on a daily basis, how does that play out? Often you can have just the events of life that press in and there's urgent needs and things that need to be done and you promise, you say you're going to do things for people and you want to be able to do those and, and yet often we just jump in and try and do things. I don't know, I, I'm like that. I'm very much, a, I try to get all the things off my list and I never do. We can go through our day sometimes thinking of that and we can justify that in our own twisted way as by saying, you're busy God, there's all those people that really need. I know how to do this. I can get this done. I know that you've given me that skill and talent. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, when I get stuck, I know who to come to. That's pride. That's making our plans without God. It's interesting that, that when we, we do that, that we, again, often I find I, I don't realize I'm doing it. And that's because of the way that we tend to live our lives. We tend to look at lives sometimes as just years, weeks, months, and we just take it in big chunks but God wants us as it says in Psalms teach us to number our days we live life one day at a time and that's the second part that he he wants us to consider in verse 14 he says you don't know 
what shall be on the morrow. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapour that appears for a little time and vanishes away. After the service, we'll have a cup of tea. You pour some boiling water in there. You see the vapour that's just coming off that? Before it hits the roof, it's gone. He's saying that's what our life is. Now, I put this up here today, and you're wondering why that's going. It's not to time my message, although it would be nice if it did because I'd finish a bit quicker. It's to remind us that how we look at life. You see, we think that if this is our life, we think to ourselves, well, I have 70 years, 80 years. Thankfully, with Jeff yesterday, we found it 92 years. You know, I have this measure of life that God's given to me. And how far are you through your life? Well, I'll be about halfway through on this one at the moment. And we think that that is what we have. The reality is we don't know what we have. There were people last week that went to a music concert in Las Vegas. They're gone. They didn't know that. They just went to a music concert. There are people around the world every day that they might get in a car, they might do other things. They don't know how, what their life is. And we tend to think that all of us are entitled to those 80 years. But the fact is that every day is a gift from God. And whether you live for one year, 10 years, 20 years, 60 years, whatever you live for, all of it is a gift from God. We need to remember that that is his gift. These people, when they're making their plans, they claim to know some things that they really don't know. And one, for example, is the future. They claim to know when they say, tomorrow I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And again, it's not wrong to plan. But when you say, I'm going to do this, this is what I'm going to do, and you have in your mind, I'm absolutely certain that I'm going to do that. The only one that knows the future is God. Proverbs 27 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day might bring forth. It only takes a moment to change the future. One phone call, one missed red light, one doctor's report, even the shifting of the earth's plates. I read there was a, this morning another earthquake in Japan. We've heard a lot of those recently, volcanoes, hurricanes and things like that. I'm sure that the people who live in those areas assume that life would just continue as normal. You think about Florida and you think about some things that it, it, obviously it hasn't. So they think that they know the future and then they also think that they can control the future. Oh, we will do this and I will do that. God controls everything. We don't. We often like to act like we control it. We often like to try to manage the situations of our life. We say we're going to beat this sickness or that sickness and we can't even beat a common cold unless God allows us to. And the third thing there is that we would even be here. Our life, as I said, is just a vapour. It's short. And even if we live out 80 years or 90 years, put that in the scheme of eternity, 500 years, 1,000 years, when we'll be there 10,000 years, we see. What's 60 in that? It's just a blip. And God wants us to remember that in, in the scope of its eternity, life is short. In Psalm 49, it says about a people that their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever, their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, man being an honour abideth not, he's like the beasts that perish. Job said, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. And they used to have those weaving mills and they just pass it. You've ever seen the Middle East and they pass it back and forth and back and forth. He says, that's, that's like my days. For some of us who are older, you kind of go, where does the time go? David was reminded his days are as a hand's breadth. That, that, he said, my life's like that, you know, that in, in the scheme of things. Moses said that we spend our years as a tale that's told. There's so many different things in scripture that tell us to think about our lives in the life of eternity. Well, 
What are we supposed to do about that? James actually gives us some instruction here. You're saying these things, but you ought to say this. If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or do that. Back many years ago, uh, when people were writing out appointments and diaries and things that they plans that they would have, it's very common to put the, the initials DV after a date. You know, we will meet up on this date, DV. So that DV means Deo Volante, in Latin, Lord willing. They used to have this idea that, you know, we will set dates, but it's all Lord willing. It's all dependent upon God's will. Today, of course, we don't, we don't use that DV. Uh, we do sometimes say Lord willing, and it's not just about saying that. I think probably why that has faded away is because it became just probably people who said, oh, well, don't know what it means. The idea, however, is that the will of God is supposed to be primary in our lives, not just acknowledged with a DV, but we actually think about it. Before it must, when we're making plans, when we're thinking about what we want to do, before we make those plans, during we, those plans, even after making our plans, that God has the complete right to change them or cancel them at any time. When we came down here to Wanthaggy, I had ideas about what we were going to do, how this church was going to start, how things were going to be. And, and, you know, I found in the four years, God's completely changed that for the better, should I say, for the better. But we had to allow him to do that. And there's times when we, I, I struggled with that. And there may be times in your life where you have plans to do things and then whether it be a physical challenge that you face or whether it's a financial challenge you face, whether it's a relationship struggle that you face, all of those change the events of your life. And you have to understand that this is not sometimes, as we hear, is God punishing me? Or is, you know, is God still there? God's still there. God knows your needs. He just might be allowing your course to be altered. Every good and perfect gift comes from God, remember. He's not the author of evil, but he will allow things in our lives sometimes to remind us how we need to trust him and how he is in control and that we can trust him. That means that at times we need to understand our, our plans, although it's good to make plans, can change or, or even be cancelled and completely reversed as well. It's also to recognise that our life on earth is temporary. If the Lord will, we shall live. And it reminds us that Again, every day is a gift from God here on the earth. For us who are believers, we actually look forward to eternal life. But the days that he gives us here are to be lived for him. Psalm 90, to teach us to number our days so we may apply our hearts to wisdom. If the Lord will, we shall live. And finally says, and do this or that. All of our activities should be subject to God's plan. We have to think about what God has us here for, what his purpose is, and, and how we can best glorify him. Second Corinthians 5.9 says that we're confident, we, we had this yesterday, we're confident knowing this, that while we're home in the body, we're absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We're confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him, we may please God. That's how our, our purpose is to, to glorify God, to, to please God. And any other thinking, James is pointing out, is actually arrogant, boasting and evil. And that's what he says there in verse uh, 16. He says, 
that w- but now he's saying this is what you ought to do, but I, this is what you are doing. You're boasting about what you're going to do with your life. That sort of rejoicing, while you think that that's, that's good, he says it's actually evil. It's evil because not because what you're doing, the actual plans are evil, but because your approach to life, your lack of dependence upon God. It also reminds us that we don't trust God because God actually wants the best for us. He doesn't want to bring us harm. He does love us. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. His desire is that all would have eternal life. Lastly, in verse 17, James says, okay, you've thought about these things, you've considered them. Here's the correction you need to make, but I want you to to come back to the change that needs to take place in your life. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, it is sin. I believe the context here is saying that once we recognize that our thinking is wrong, we've been confronted with the scriptures, we've been confronted with God's truth, and we know how we should think and live. If we don't live this way, if we don't change our ways, it's sin. The, the wonderful thing about the Lord Jesus Christ is he meets us where we are. We are helpless sinners. We cannot save ourselves. Jesus Christ says, I offer eternal life. I've come to save sinners. God demonstrated his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He's not asking us to clean up and change all of these aspects of our life in order to come to him. But once we are a child of God, God doesn't want to leave us where we are. He wants to move us and change us and help us grow. And as he reveals to us from his word each step of the way, things that need to change in our lives, then we need to trust him. We need to obey him. And that's really is the heart of this whole book with that. It's one of the things, as I mentioned in the beginning, that I found that I realized that I need to keep. You hear some things and then you go off the rails and then you go back to the word of God and that corrects you and then you go off, you kind of get carried away with, again, the world that's around us, the thinking uh, that can deceive us. We need to keep coming back to this. Two obstacles that often affects the way our ability to change. One is the lack of patience. We don't want to wait upon the Lord. Psalm 27 says, wait upon the Lord and be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. We often do get impatient. We want results. We want them in our time. I guess we'd say when God doesn't come through according to our plans, we get upset. We need to be patient. We'll read more about this in James chapter 5. Lack of patience is one obstacle. The other one is procrastination. You know, sometimes we know what we should do. We know the changes we need to make in our life. But we just say, later, Lord, I'll do that later. And I just need to get this sorted out in my life. And so many times I've said that to myself, and you've probably said that as well. It's just as soon as I get this sorted out, then I'll focus on, on, on what you want for me to do. I'll focus on how you want me to live. I'm just going through some stuff at the moment. I need that. Well, God knows the stuff you're going through and he's trying to help you. Preacher from a few hundred years ago by the name of J.C. Ryle said this, Satan doesn't care how spiritual your intentions are, how holy your resolutions are, if only they are be determined to be done tomorrow. We can be sincere in what we want to do, but if we don't do it, we, it, hasn't, it hasn't been done. Now, God knows our weakness. He knows the struggles we go through and he is not expecting overnight perfection and change he is as we said we live our lives one day at a time one step at a time one breath at a time completely dependent upon him and that's why we need to remember that every day belongs to the lord and even though we uh, think that we have this our time can end at any time we need to trust him 
and obey him in these areas. Psalm 45 says, Many, O Lord, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order to thee. If I would declare them and speak of them, they are more to be numbered. There's times when we don't think of God, but I can tell you he's always thinking of us. He always has our best at heart, and it's for our good and ultimately for his glory. So I hope that today we've, uh, this has helped us to remember about our daily dependence upon the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this passage and other passages in Scripture that keep bringing us back to you, Lord, that, that really give us that course correction that we need. Lord, for we know that left to ourselves, we would often stray, and oftentimes we do. Lord, we thank you that you are a loving, good shepherd that not only uh, have, provides for our, us, but also that you correct us and bring us back onto the right path. And we know that you do that through your Holy Spirit and through your word that speaks to us. Lord, as we've been confronted today about the way that we make decisions and choices and plans in life, help us to remember, Lord, that you do want us to have some plans in life. You're not uh, against uh, the, the good things that you would want for us. Lord, help us to remember, though, that we need you. We need you every hour, every day, every minute, and that our times are in your hand, that, that truly we'll be able to look at everything and say with our hearts, Lord willing, not my will, but yours be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.